Welcome to UpToDate Talk. I'm Dr. Sadna Vora, an oncologist and deputy editor at UpToDate. In this segment, we'll be talking to Dr. Joseph Wolfstorff, section editor in pediatric endocrinology at UpToDate and professor of pediatrics at Harvard Medical School. Welcome, Dr. Wolfstorff. Thank you. Today, we're talking about a study by Abraham and colleagues published in Diabetes Care in February of this year regarding a predictive low-glucose management system in adolescents with type 1 diabetes. Now, before we get into the study itself, tell me a little bit more about insulin pumps in general. Who's a good candidate for an insulin pump, and what are some benefits and drawbacks to this? I would say that any patient with type 1 diabetes is potentially a good candidate to use a pump. But it's very important to understand and to be realistic about what pumps can do and what they cannot do. A pump is a highly sophisticated electronic device that delivers insulin and has to be programmed. The pump itself has all the electronics and and, uh, mechanical devices incorporated into it. It includes a reservoir in which the insulin is uh, situated, and that reservoir connects to the patient via a a very fine plastic tube, and then there's a little cannula at the end of the tube that is actually inserted under the skin using a needle that ultimately is, is withdrawn. So that system has to be monitored because it can kink, the very fine cannula can occlude, it can slip out of the skin and without the patient noticing it, and therefore the individual will not be receiving insulin. So it has to be an individual who's going to be responsible, who understands these limitations, and is willing to check blood glucose levels frequently and would know how to problem solve. But any individual who's trying to optimize their glycemic control potentially could benefit from using an insulin pump. I see. So it just takes a a certain level of active engagement to get as much as you can out of it. Absolutely. The active engagement is crucial because insulin pumps only use rapid-acting insulin. And that means that if there's a problem with the infusion system, within a few hours, the patient becomes severely insulin deficient, hyperglycemia develops, ketosis develops, and they're on their way to ketoacidosis. And that's a major difference between insulin pump therapy and the other major form of basal bolus insulin, which involves using a single or twice daily long-acting insulin, which provides a depot, if you like, of insulin that's going to be in the background 24 hours a day. I see. Now, the study we'll talk about today looked at a sensor-augmented insulin pump with a predictive low-glucose management system. What exactly does that mean, and how does it add to existing technology? I think it's important for people to realize that, particularly in patients with type 1 diabetes, and I'm referring here to people of all ages, but in particular children and adolescents, a major concern for patients and for parents is hypoglycemia. It's the main issue that's on people's minds 24 hours a day. So while it is crucially important to maintain optimal glycemic control to prevent long-term complications, it's also important to prevent hypoglycemia. And that's where the suspend features come in for insulin pumps. So prior to the development of this particular pump, 
the latest technology allowed the pump to suspend insulin delivery when a predefined sensor glucose value was reached. And that could be set by the pump user. So for example, if the sensor glucose value reached 70, if the patient did not respond by suspending insulin delivery, the pump would automatically shut off insulin delivery for up to two hours. What this pump is able to do, which is the next iteration in, in pump development, predicts when the glucose level is going to be low. And again, if the pump user does not intervene by suspending insulin delivery, the pump will automatically shut off insulin delivery for up to two hours when it, quote, thinks that the patient is going to develop hypoglycemia within the next 30 minutes or so. That sounds like an important development. It is. Now, tell us a little bit more about the trial design and what in particular were the conclusions of this study? Well, the study was done as a randomized controlled trial. It was not blinded for uh, obvious reasons. And uh, it involved individuals in the age range, as I recall, between about age and eight and age 20, so predominantly adolescents. It was done in Australia at five major pediatric diabetes centers. And then they were randomized either to use the sensor augmented system without the predictive low glucose suspend. And uh, the other group had the, the same system, but in fact, the same pump but with the predictive low glucose suspend feature activated. And they were followed for, for six months. And uh, the outcome of the study, the primary outcome, was the amount of time that these individuals spent in hypoglycemia. I understand that they defined that as less than 3 millimoles per liter or 54 milligrams per deciliter. What did they find? And they were able to show that with the predictive low glucose sustained feature, these individuals had half as much time spent in the hypoglycemia uh, range as compared to the, the control group who were using just the sensor augmented pump. And the uh, patients themselves had to make decisions about when to treat low blood sugars and uh, adjust their insulin on their own. The other major feature, uh, they wanted to show efficacy, and I think they did with respect to hypoglycemia. They also showed as a secondary outcome that the number of hypoglycemia events, which they defined as sensor glucose value of less than approximately 63 milligrams per deciliter for at least 20 minutes or more, also declined with the predictive low glucose suspend feature. Those sound like important differences. These improvements, did they come at the expense of glycemic control? So in both groups, uh, hemoglobin A1C levels actually did increase modestly from baseline, but there were no significant differences in the hemoglobin A1C values in the two groups. So the conclusion was no difference in hemoglobin A1C values at six months, uh, as I said, although there was a quite modest increase in the hemoglobin A1C levels over time, which the authors uh, think may have been due to the fact that patients were 
alerted to low glucose values or glucose values that were dropping and therefore would treat themselves with carbohydrates. And maybe that was the reason that their overall hemoglobin A1C levels increased modestly. The, the other feature that they were um, uh, interested in learning about was quality of life. Uh, I think it's very important to appreciate that when you have a pump with the infusion set attached to your body and you have another device, namely a continuous glucose monitoring sensor attached to your body, uh, these are things that not everyone is comfortable with and, and there are alerts and alarms that go off from time to time. But they found no change in quality of life measures, either in the participants or in the parents. And so I think that's an important uh, outcome as well to comment on. That's very encouraging. Now, were there any limitations of this study? I think the major, uh, well, I don't know that it's a major limitation, but a limitation of the study was that subjects who'd, who'd had previous uh, problems with hypoglycemia were excluded from participation. And so uh, that was one feature. The other was that part of the study, the investigators were hoping to find out the impact of this system on individuals with impaired hypoglycemia awareness, which is a relatively common problem in patients with type 1 diabetes who are very tightly controlled. That is their inability to sense when glucose values are low. There were not enough patients recruited for the uh, investigators to be able to clearly see a beneficial impact, but they did comment that there was a trend in the in the direction of improvement, but it didn't reach statistical significance. Other than those two comments, I, I think this was a very well-conducted study with important results that should be generalizable. I see. Now, I understand this type of predictive low-glucose management system, it's been incorporated into actually a more advanced pump, a hybrid closed-loop system. Tell me about that. Well, as it turns out, this study that was conducted in, in Australia uh, using the, this particular pump, the pump, never was launched in the United States. It was quite widely used in Europe and Australia, but in fact, in the background, the company that makes this particular pump had been working on an even more advanced system referred to as a hybrid closed-loop insulin delivery system. So this new pump, it has the suspend before low feature that we've been talking about, but it has some additional features as well? That particular pump now has an auto feature which constantly adjusts insulin to maintain a threshold or target, I should say, glucose value of approximately 120 milligrams per deciliter. So this is now the first commercially available version of, in quotes, an artificial pancreas system. Now, it's not referred to as an artificial pancreas because it's not completely automatic. It requires the patient to announce when a meal is going to be eaten and to give the pump instructions to cover a certain amount of carbohydrate. So the pump is programmed to have uh, specific insulin to carbohydrate ratios based on patient's past experience. And then when a meal is due, the patient informs the pump that he or she is going to eat a meal containing a certain amount of carbohydrate and activates the, the bolus feature so that insulin 
is given hopefully ahead of time prior to the meal. But once that task has been completed, the pump then takes over and will adjust insulin delivery, aiming to maintain glucose values close to or at that uh, target of 120 milligrams per deciliter. That's fascinating. So are people actually using this type of system now? That is what is currently available in the, in the marketplace, and many patients are gradually being uh, transitioned to the use of that particular pump. So that is really the latest technology available in this country for patients uh, with type 1 diabetes. And as I said, it, it has even more features than the pump that was used in this particular study that we're uh, talking about today. That's very exciting. Tell us, are there any other innovations being evaluated? Anything around the corner for insulin pumps? I think the other major feature that is being developed in parallel, I would say, is pump that has the ability to deliver both insulin and glucagon. So the pump we've just been talking about only delivers insulin. There are investigators who believe that in order to, in a sense, mimic the way the pancreas works normally, physiologically, we have both insulin and glucagon, insulin to lower glucose, glucagon to raise uh, glucose levels. And those pumps with the dual hormone feature are being investigated and potentially uh, could come to the market uh, sometime in the next few years. Great. Dr. Joseph Wolfsdorf, thank you so much for providing us with your insights. You're most welcome. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this discussion. If you would like to get more information about this study or other recent updates, please visit UpToDate.com and look at our What's New and Practice Changing Updates sections. We welcome your feedback. Please leave us a review on the podcast service you use to access these podcasts.